keep please keep that just please keep that <laughs> that is our intro hello everybody welcome to the vox podcast so glad you're with us it is a, a tightly run ship over here um mike erie and timothy john stafford are with you today and we're going to start with a, qu- a question from brian an email Ooh. submission to voxpodcast.com there you can um contact us at hello at voxpodcast.com hello this is from brian uh i won't give his last name but it's really cool uh the subject no longer okay that's the subject Uh-oh. now you're thinking he didn't finish his sentence or this is something bad right turns out it's something bad Mike and Tim, (laughs) thanks so much for the podcast and the heart you put into it. But I've got to say, I no longer believe there will be a new name. The color palette doesn't exist. (laughs) Sometimes it's just hard to believe what you cannot see. And to Brian with the cool last name, I say Balderdash. (laughs) The palette exists. The name has been decided upon. It includes the letters V-O-X and something else. Wow. Yeah. You're uh, you're really tossing some seeds out there. Well, I I need, listen. I'd like to imagine that his last name is Balderdash, that it is Brian Balderdash. No, no. Brian's last name is of a cool bird. Ooh. Yes. I will not answer any further, but I'm just saying, if if you're going to have a last name after a bird, this is the one you want. Brian Rooster. (laughs) Definitely does not qualify as the name you want. All right. Anyway, (laughs) Brian, have faith. Blessed are those who have seen and yet believe. But blessed even more, according to Jesus, are those who have not seen and believe. There is a new name, my friend, and it is an honor to meet one of the dozens of people who actually care about what our new name will be. But it's true. We have a meeting after our recording to discuss today our, our website. What is that called? Map site plan. What is that it? That sounds right. Map plan sites. Yes. The this website that is a bit out of date what? that we currently have. I know. Um, is about to get rumor a refresh. As it get a refresh. And rumor is we're going to transfer to a different hosting service. And rumor is, I know, I know, it's an unveiling, ladies and gentlemen. So, (laughs) Brian. Fred, not Brian Balderdash. You just hold your horses, buddy. It's coming. (laughs) It is coming. All right. Besides that, I want to thank Zachary, Steve, and Tim for coming on to our Patreon team uh, this past week. I mean, that's. I know we talk about it, but my word, what a blessing to be able to do this. We had to emergency buy some new equipment last week as we were recording on Friday (laughs) (laughs) and our equipment, my equipment did not work. And so we had to rush ship um, some stuff. And so just thanks for helping us. All of that really, really, really does matter. Patreon.com, Vox Podcast with Mike Geary, but soon you will be typing in something different. Oh yes! All right, <laughs> today we're we're back into the Sermon on the Mount, baby. Jesus' manifesto 
around creating a kingdom. And a kingdom, last time I checked, Timothy, a kingdom actually is a political entity. Yes, sir. Uh, with a ruler and uh, a place, um, a, a ruler and a people and, and people who submit to the rulership of the ruler. That's what that's the elements of a kingdom. And that, of course, is what we have when Jesus is announcing the kingdom of God, the kingship of the heavens is now at hand. And so he is defining for us a manifesto about the, the um, upside down nature of his kingship and his reign and how that affects then those who voluntarily submit and come under that reign, how we then choose to live. Yeah. And so he's inviting us to form a politic, a polis, that, that is built not on strength and glory, but on poverty of spirit, peacemaking, mercy, forgiveness, and ultimately the law uh, of love that says, um, do to others what you would have them do to you. And so he systematically, as he builds his uh, politic, he systematically dismantles the the p political ideas of the various sects of his day and uh the the idea of the pharisees that their definition of was uh, of righteousness was such that if all israel would obey it the messiah would come to that jesus says you don't you don't even know the beginning of righteousness your righteousness has to surpass that of the scribes and the pharisees to be in the kingdom and then he tells us what that means against the zealots who were just at the very beginning stages of advocating armed revolt against Rome, he's going to call them to another way and warn them that within a generation that this temple that they love and adore and take such pride in is going to be destroyed. And as that destruction is coming, flee Israel. You do not want to be here. Um, mm. Flee Jerusalem, excuse me. You do not want to be here when the Romans come to take it. Against the Sadducees, who taught there was no resurrection of the dead and only the Torah was authentic and authoritative. Uh, those who practice collaboration with treasonous Rome and idolatrous Roman rulers, right? What Jesus is going to preach, seek first his kingdom. Um, and he's going to preach against all the idolatries that come from capitulating to political powers of the earth. Well, that um, was a tongue twister. Yes. Balderdash, and um, and to to those in the Essene community who have withdrawn completely, um, Jesus is just mucking it up in the dirt and mire of human life, right? I mean, there is he is human in absolutely every way, and in the middle of that, he's he's embodying God's kingship um, and God's uh, the difference of God's reign over people. Uh, in the way that he lives a real, actual human life. So we're in the middle of just the best stuff. Um, and the thing that's so different from great teachers is uh, that Jesus lived it. He embodied this. He is the sermon. Um, it's not just a set of ethical teaching that, you know, he, um, he advocated and then, you know, stumbled once in a while about. This was, he's going to show us what this looks like as it plays out so all that that's a big wind up timothy none of that was yeah. planned that was off the top um of my shorn head that was um, the opening band 
but now we're getting ready. The Shorn Head is the opening the band. Opening, yeah. <laughs> or no, what you just did was the opening band. <laughs> oh, got it. Yes. So priming the audience, getting them ready. So Jesus is now exp- expressing kingdom rightness towards other people. He's done this as he's rummaged around our heart about adultery and lust and anger and contempt and oath-taking and manipulating people ver- verbally. But he's dismantling now um, anything that gets in the way of loving neighbor as self. And there are two things that get in the way of that. One is the judging and condemning. The other is the pushing of our good things, uh, the pushing of our pearls and our treasures. Because when we do that, when we're condemning our friends and our family and those close to us, or we're pushing our good things, we become the problem. We be- Whatever their problem is, whatever it is we're wanting to help and to fix um, in them, we are actually taking the place of that in the way that we're approaching these other people. And it's only through non- non-anxious, non-manipulative presence really hearing somebody that they actually let their guards down enough to believe that we're a safe person and an ally to them to the point where we could actually genuinely be helpful if we're invited into that. And so Jesus then teaches us, and this is, I'm channeling Dallas Willard, man, this section of divine conspiracy is ridiculous. But he says, this is the proper dynamic of everything in the kingdom, of how you relate to God and how you relate to people and how peop- and how God relates to people. And that is the dynamic of the request, the power of requesting, of asking and seeking and knocking. Mm-hmm. He said, that is the dynamic of the kingdom because we, uh, if we are image bearers and we have been given true autonomy in the world and... The, um, the encroaching upon that autonomy is, by definition, not agape love, then the only way we can cause others to do the work we want them to do is by asking them to do it. To demand separates us from people as superior or powerful or whatever, but to request unites us with people. I come a- alongside with someone in my powerlessness and we're united. Now, even if they say no, right, that's that's not on me anymore. And as much as I want to manipulate or as much as I want to punish or reward or push my good things, right, part of what it is to be an image bearer and surrounded by other image bearers is to, it's literally all we can do is ask. That's it, right? And that, and, and so, so, the ask, seek, knock thing isn't first an approach to God. It's an approach to each other. Mm. That without manipulation and without pushing. Now, you might be saying, well, how can I ask, seek, and knock and not be pushy? Well, I think there are ways that, that people who want good things for us invite us into those good things consistently without condemning and pushing. Yeah. And so imagine you've set aside condemning and you've set aside pushing and you simply ask, you invite. That's all you do. Um, Again, you've allowed the person to not see you as the problem um, and you open up and keep open the possibility of relationship and deep, authentic conversation in the future. And of course, he then transitions from ask, seek, knock into, well, God is good because, and this is the key point, my friends, 
The only way you can live in the world of request, humble request, humble, non-manipulative requesting, the only way you live in that world is if you believe the Father gives good things who those who, to those who ask. So that my well-being isn't dependent upon your yes. Then I don't have to manipulate you. Then I don't have to judge and condemn you. Right? That, my goodness, that is the most important part of this whole conversation. If you believe that God will not give you a stone when you ask for bread or a scorpion when you ask for fish, but instead, like even the most vile parents right, are able to get to say yes to those who ask, those parents of things, how much more then will this Father who delights in blessing bless you? And if your security is in the character of what this God turns out to be like, and he turns out to be like Jesus, then you no longer have to manipulate your way into achieving your own goals. You simply ask. Now, there is... um, uh, 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 an equal commending of Jesus on shrewdness. So all asking isn't the same, right? I mean, I can ask people to come to Jesus by having a placard roaming around Ohio State football games, or I can ask people to come to Jesus by, uh, as our young life friends would say, earning the right to be heard. Yeah. Right? I mean, there are different ways of asking, seeking, and knocking. And we're called to be shrewd in those. So, so, and and Jesus gives examples of the chutzpah of shrewdness in prayer (laughs) with a a woman that badgers a judge who's not just into justice and a neighbor who badgers his neighbor into hospitality where he wouldn't otherwise have given it. And Jesus uses those images as like commendable chutzpah and persistence in requesting. So there's shrewdness here. This isn't just, hey, I ask and you said no, and now I judge you. Right. And and it's not asking in order to manipulate because there's a kind of asking, seeking, and knocking that can be manipulative. Totally. But I stand in the security, and I am, I'm rocking like crazy, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so riled up. I'm so fired up. Yeah, if if you're ever watching this on Zoom, I literally rock in my chair when I get fired up. I don't even notice I'm doing it until I look down and Tim is laughing and my head is going. I don't even notice it anymore. Oh, that's see, that's friendship right there. That's friendship. You don't even notice that the how annoying that must be. But I mean, think think about the lengths we go to not be asked for things. Right, because there's so much there's so much power in someone looking you in your eye and asking directly for help. Yeah. So like I'll avoid people who I think are panhandling, or I'll avoid people that totally. or who are who I think are needy and are going to want something from me. Right. Because yep. because at least for me in my brand of personality and narcissism, I don't want people to think bad of me when I say no. Right. So I want to avoid being asked so I don't have to. <laughs> Instead of just being confident in my no, right? Yep. And so I'm learning. This is one of many areas of growth for me. But what Jesus is doing here is so profound. And Willard so rightly threads this whole section together under that banner. That we do want to help people. Yeah. And um, we do 
and and rightly at times see the specks in other people's eyes yeah but how then do we proceed and 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 Jesus's answer is well first if your security is in the character of the father then the father loves that person more than you do and will work with their freedom uh, as best he is able to achieve good ends from bad things that are even happening from choices they make. Right. Now, if someone is drug addicted or suicidal or there are instances where asking, seeking, and knocking cannot wait to validate the dignity of the other. Yeah, right? and then there's and we all co- discernment from the previous chapters and how that's right. it becomes exactly, exactly, exactly. But even then, the intervening we do is governed by Paul's words in Galatians that we do it gently with the purpose of restoration, right? Yeah. By Jesus' words that we do it privately at first and then in the presence of others. I mean, there's loads. So, so yes, there are times we intervene without waiting for the invite. But we almost never do that with strangers. And we certainly do it, don't do it online. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much how much <clears throat> social media is left if you take away uh, condemnation and and pushing our good things? Yep. <laughs> There's nothing left except cat videos. <laughs> There's nothing left. Oh my goodness! So so it's it is a wonderful wonderful thing that God has made us so that we cannot control each other. And that any attempt at control is, by definition, a violation of agape and not of Jesus. End of story. And that is why it's so important. Yes. And that is why it's so important that Jesus doesn't control his world in the way that we Mm. actually conceive or usually conceive of it. Yeah. Right? Because there there are all sorts of ways for God to get what he wants. But he is forsaken in the universe he made. He is forsaken certain kinds and exercises of power except over maybe demons where Jesus kind of got pissed and just, you know, forcibly removed them. Right. (laughs) But otherwise Jesus was manipulating people. He was embodying the alternative to the rival orders of the world and inviting people to join him at cost to the status quo. If you're happy with the status quo, you didn't want to follow Jesus. That's why he said this movement is for people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Right? Because if you're full, well, then I got nothing else. Yeah. So Jesus didn't didn't go around trying to win over the people who were who were happy with the status quo of things. What he would do is he would confront them about how empty the their status quo actually was. So that's what he does with the Pharisees when he condemns them. We think, my goodness, he was so harsh. Well, He's standing in a great prophetic tradition. This is what the prophets of Israel did. Not only that, but Jesus has to show them the emptiness of their perceived fullness. Or he, or they will simply will not listen and will hold against him his welcome of the truly hungry into his kingdom. Right. Man, I love, I don't know why I'm so emotional, but I really, I'm really a fan of this guy. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, even, I, seriously, I don't know why I'm I'm teary. <laughs> well, it makes so much sense, and 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 bridging out of last week with the pearls and the pigs and 
the plank and all that kind of stuff and everything we talked about with what that stuff looks like like looking at asking seeking and knocking just in the in the framework just in the small frame that we've talked about so far um asking is not demanding right it's not like right manipulating or yelling it's it has a totally different connotation to it seeking makes you think of like continually going after but not restraining or right right? like you're following after and then knocking is not barging yes all of it is like all of it is relational in a way of like i'm here and i'm pursuing but i'm not it's not in a like angry or aggressive or like commandeering or or condescending manner it's all in like i'm asking i'm coming after you and and i'm knocking at the door but i'm not like yes and that door in and yes timothy and that's where the golden rule is yeah that that's that's exactly right because how do i want to be treated do i want to be condemned do i want to be pushed on do i want to be controlled or manipulated of course not if i sense any of those things i close down i stop listening i get defensive i attack back yep right makes me even more frustrated that so much of this sermon has been or even if you're just teaching on one section that you're not um offering the context of the sections before because this is not this is even this is not presented this way but it's it makes perfect sense that's what makes me rock back and forth in my chair is when i see the threads that run Ding through the, like the when i see the congruence through stuff where i'm like oh all of this is intentional as dumb as that sounds like there is like jesus was a real person and he actually said these things for a reason and it wasn't all these little nuggets these little like <laughs> so uh, fortune hallmark cookies. Sayings. yeah it's yes. just like hey how about yes. this one this is a good one but that there's this <laughs> there's this thread that runs through it and it's all on purpose and it all ha- it all links together in a really solid chain that makes you know yeah. that everything feeds to the next thing right that makes me excited makes my faith feel um real or or, or it gives me something that I grab onto I'm like yes I get it I see it yeah. I understand it. Oh, it's it's so I mean, how much of our parenting would change for those of us who are parents if you took co- condemnation and pushing good things away? <laughs> now, obviously there are times for consequences. And 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 I think the Bible even talks about how God disciplines us as a father, but what discipline there means is so different than what discipline Right, I want to discipline so that it. So I want to show them the hurt that this hurts. So don't do mm. this anymore because it hurts. Right. Yeah. That's not God's discipline at all. All right. Now, the golden rule, baby. So after we get asked, seek and knock, and we're going to have a great reader. We don't know who yet, but there's going to be a great reader who's going to read this right now. They do it's Beck. It's going to be Beck. Beck Marshall, baby. <laughs> nice, Beck. You're going to hear about him someday. I guarantee it. Anyway, Beck, take us away. Read our text today. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
in everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Beck, the voice of an angel. Absolutely. Um, so this idea in everything, so in everything, so we summing up, uh, do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now this is a fascinating bookend. The, the other time that Jesus mentions the law and the prophets is at the very beginning of the sermon in chapter five, verse 17, when he says, do not think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. And then he closes the sermon with, so in everything, do this, for this sums up the law and the prophets. All right? So this is technically the end of the sermon. And then Jesus is going to give four sort of uh, dichotomies. True and false disciples, true and false prophets, wise and foolish builders, narrow and wide gates. So he's discerning. He's helping his church discern out of this. But when we ask and seek and knock, the way that we ask and seek and knock is governed by this rule, right? So our asking and seeking and knocking can be condemning, judgy, and pushy. Yeah. Um, and so, so Jesus simply, and it's fascinating because what the rabbis did, so there were 613 laws in the Old Testament, <laughs> right? Ceremonial laws, ritual laws, dietary laws, civil laws, all sorts of stuff. And, and, and it's a really interesting conversation about why they had so many laws. But obviously, no matter how many laws you have, you cannot provide law for every conceivable scenario. So right. you have two options. You either keep enumerating the laws or you boil down the laws to their essence. And the rabbis before, during, and after Jesus did both of those. So they, the, we have 20,000, uh, it's one estimate I've heard of, of codified laws recorded uh, in various places, uh, some in the manageable. Mishnah. Uh, yeah, of just commentaries on, well, this is what it means to, right? Because the classic example is Sabbath. Do no work on the Sabbath and keep it holy turned into, what's it mean not to work? Well, there were 39 different kinds of work we did on the temple. So there are 39 categories of work. So you can't do any one of these categories. You can see how one command multiplies yeah. into 39 others. Like gremlins. Right. If uh, For those of you who don't know, go watch it. Phoebe <laughs> Cates at her, fin her finest work in gremlins. Now, um, the other way to do this, and the rabbis did this too, was to boil down the essence of the law. And so Jesus gets drawn into this conversation several places, right? Which, which is the greatest commandment? And then Jesus right. says, love your neighbor. Or excuse me, love God. And the second one is just like it, love your neighbor. But here he does this and Paul does it too. He simply boils it down to, and this is an expression of love your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus, right? Do to others what you would have them do to you. And in the context, this governs the, the requesting that we do of each other. Right. So, yeah, so, totally. I mean, and, and, and the rule is so simple. We found it, we find it in ancient writings in Asia, right? I mean, in, in places that have no connection to the Middle East culture uh, yeah. of Israel, we find this, we find this maxim in moral teaching. It's the simplest one at all. Yeah. I looked it, them up. Oh, you did? Yeah. I was reading through them all this morning. 
Oh, look at you go. Timothy, one of the one of the best one of the best examples of this comes uh, in the Babylonian Talmud. There are two Talmuds, and the Talmuds are more uh, codified versions of Mishnah with commentary. But um, there, uh, famous contemporaries just just prior to Jesus were the rabbis Hillel and Shammai. We've and met them before. We have met them before, absolutely. When we talked about divorce. Um, Hillel was so famous, he was a, a teacher to Gamaliel, who uh, Paul sat under um, mm-hmm. as a student. And so, like, these were legit big name, like, heavyweights in rabbinical Judaism. Um, but, th- so this is this is one, one summary. All right, so it, it happened that a certain heathen, and heathen here means non-Jewish person, came before Shammai... And said to him, make me a proselyte on condition that you teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. (laughs) Shammai drove him out. Hillel, on the other hand, took him up on his offer and said to him while he stood on one foot, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Go and learn. Jeez. So he states, and how genius is that? So he states it negatively. Don't yeah. do what is hateful. Jesus expresses it more actively and positively. What you, um, what, how you would want to be treated, treat others this way. And then Paul, man, Paul riffs on this all over the place. I mean, it's like, you shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there might be are summed up in this one, love your neighbor as yourself. Or in Romans 13, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Galatians, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Now, it doesn't mean that all the others can, other laws can be disregarded. It's just that the essence of those laws pointed to this. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I, love, I love what Hillel says. The rest is commentary. Yep. Right? I mean, how many billions have, of words have been printed around the guy these... that was standing on one foot was stoked too, because it's like, <laughs> oh, that's it? Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, I heard I heard a similar story about a um, a college student. His professor said, you can, and I don't remember what the subject was. Let's say it's physics. All right. It wasn't, but this gets to the point. You can bring a cheat sheet. Everything you can fit on one paper, you're allowed to bring in class. Right. On one sheet of paper. And so he brings in a physicist and has him stand on a sheet of paper and ask some questions. <laughs> maybe it was a math. I mean, like, maybe it was math, but it was yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, as a as a teacher, I would I love initiative like that, where it's like, done. <laughs> that <laughs> That is what the Bible calls chutzpah. Chutzpah. Yes. So, man, that's the teaching. It's, <laughs> this section is so freaking brilliant. But think about, but let's, let's, let's roll around in this for just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Mr. Timothy. Uh, so I was sitting there like, okay, so how do I want to be treated? Well, I want people to believe the best. See, I judge people on their actions. I judge myself on my intentions. Hmm. Right? I didn't intend to hurt you. Right. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean for that to be harsh. 
right? Yeah. And that's my defense. Whereas with other people, I don't care what you meant. It was harsh. Yeah. You hurt me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's so that's interesting. Um, the benefit of the doubt, assuming the best in other people. Uh, with cynicism, my cynicism levels at all time max. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I've ceased doing that. Yeah. Right. I mean, the news came out this week about Ravi Zacharias. It was a famous Christian apologist. Um, I knew of him from my college days, and and a report was just issued on the sexual abuse and manipulation and spiritual abuse and manipulation that had gone on in his ministry for years. That this wasn't a one-time thing. It was a pattern, and it was awful. And you sit and you go, oh, how can I give people the benefit of the doubt, especially Christian leaders? Yeah. Right? When they're all just being exposed. And... um and so here's here's where part of the like this teaching of Jesus comes up hard against my cynicism. Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, but I, especially now with everything being un, like, you know, it's Dave Ramsey and it's it's like people across the board that are being exposed to have been kind of tyrants and monsters to people around them. You start right. to expect it. So I don't even know if that's is that still cynicism at that point where I don't know. I guess it is. Yeah. I don't know where the line is. I, I um, because what we don't want to do is be naive in giving people the benefit of the doubt, so that we open ourselves up to further abuse. Well, that's kind of like the great restructuring of everything, isn't it? Like you know, it's like the, it's in the same camp as discernment, but mm. as these churches are rebuilt, they can't follow this model anymore. This isolated yes, yes. person that is the moral authority on everything, but has no accountability or transparency yeah it just we we know it doesn't work yeah yeah power creeps. yeah yep 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 yeah well and you see it with uh, palpatine most particularly <laughs> in voldemort yeah. oh man i'll have to uh, i'll send you something later that was a funny meme on, that, <laughs> on garth memes. plagueis Sweet memes are made of these. Who am I? Or made of this? Made of these? Made of these. Eurythmics? Eurythmics? Not Eurorhythmics. <laughs> that was Phil. That was Will Ferrell's latest movie, Eurovision. Eurythmics was an 80s band. There we go. Yep. All right, but back to the text. <laughs> Doggone it. So giving people the benefit of the doubt. Imagine... So all, all of my strategizes for, for asking get called into question. Yeah. Like I remember my stepdad, if I, like, if I just asked him boldly, he could never say no. He would work hard to never be asked. But if I just asked him directly something, um, he, he rarely would say no. He might complain yeah. about it to my mom, but like, I just, so I just learned like, oh, okay, well that's, that's excellent, right? That's a way to manipulate. Um, or, you know, you butter somebody up. Like, I'm going to ask for my wife for sex later, and so, you know, I'm going to clean the, the kitchen, right? And that's like, hmm. And, and obviously not all of this is bad, but it just it just shows the games that we play with each other. Yeah. Right? I really want you to do And why we why the whole oath thing that Jesus actually speaks to, that I give up to manipulate people with the sincerity of my promises and words. Yep. Yep. Oh, so hard. Or imagine our politics. 
Dude. <laughs> so how I want to be treated as whatever my political persuasion is, is how I should treat others, even if they differ. Yeah. How much of Facebook would be left, my friend? Not a lot. Those uh, <laughs> jewel games that you keep getting requested for. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I just think, my goodness. I mean, isn't this, this is the comfort and the challenge of the sermon. Again, like every week we run headlong into this. It, it yes. is a simultaneous, oh crap. And wow, this is oddly stirring. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's simultaneously an oh crap and also like a oh crap. Oh, n even better. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I really don't have much to add. I feel like adding to this kind of steals from it. So I was just like, well, let's just let it sit. Yeah, I think it's great. The, um, I, think I was you're talking great. to students yesterday about their, we did conferences to help get them. Uh, I let kids write whatever they want to write paper topic wise. I love that. But I'll conference with them and try to help them find something they're interested in. And so I was talking to somebody who wanted to talk about human interactions or like humans, mm. how humans interact with each other and why. And I was like, I think that's a really interesting topic. Let's kind of crack it open a little bit and see if we can't find a little, you know, like Anne Lamott talks about like the one inch window that you can look through to see the whole. Oh, I love that. And um, we were talking about the Enneagram stuff because it's still for me like that when you, you know, you've done a bunch of weddings. I've done a, a small handful when you're talking to people about how to coexist as two people that invest in one another. Yeah. Um, the Enneagram has been really interesting for that learning the complexities of like who the complexities of who I am, the complexities of just who my wife is just to put two people, not even me interacting with everybody that I interact with, but just on that level. Yes. Understanding yes. how differently wired she is than me is in one in one hand, super helpful so that I can love her correctly. But on yeah. the other hand, it's fascinating how different God has made every human. Like it's just, there's no blueprint for how to do things other than trying to do it with discernment and in the intent of loving them for who they are. Right. You know, you know what I mean? It's just yep. like, I can't yep. approach anybody the way that I need to be approached or loved. Loving my neighbor is actually loving my neighbor, not loving my neighbor yes. or you know what not I mean? Like loving it's just, myself it's, through my neighbor. Yeah. It's so, it's so simple, but very complicated, but complicated in the best possible way of, you know, diversity yes. is such a gift and such an interesting painting of different colors that it's just a wonderful thing. And I think everything in this sermon illuminates that over and over the complexities and uh, the intricacies of the human ecosystem. It requires, intentionality it requires a servant's heart it requires humility in how we approach and live together um it just makes sense i just think it's i think it's really cool encounter to a lot that we have um to to the way a lot of things yes. are postured or the way things are brought to us this is this just it's just better Everything in this whole sermon just illuminates that over and over that we're just like 
this is kind of cool. All of you guys are super different and this, you have to learn to, to be intentional with that, with one another. Yeah. Cause God's being intentional with each person that's so radically different. And, and, oh, that's so good, Tim. And, and it reminds me of how impractical we think all of this is. Right. You know, I mean, cause we'll say, well, it's man, this is great for personal relationships, but that's not how business works. Right, like you never, you'd never do this in business, or yeah. hey, Which this is where is... you get uh, Gombus's capitalism rants. Yes, uh, or or man, politics would never work this way, and um, and yeah, and maybe because it's so corrupt, yeah, um, but I don't know. I just I think there's just something so freaking awesome, and and you know who really teaches me this is Seth Erie, mm. Seth does not know how to manipulate. Now, he's he at 12 he's learning. Hmm. So, if he he's learned that if he adds, so if he asks for something we say no, he'll he'll say for me? Oh. Like like <laughs> orange juice? No. Orange juice for me? And then and then then we then really have to yeah. <laughs> so he's learning that way, but Seth, if you don't know, my youngest son is Down syndrome, and he is the greatest teacher of the way of Jesus in the history of the world. Hmm. Uh, he is my guide in the way of Jesus. He utterly is my guide. Absolutely. So, Seth, all Seth has, there's much he cannot do. Um, as his parents, we've learned that if it's, his do- if it's in his domain of ability, he needs to do it. Because he'll ask even for things that he can do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the more we say yes to those requests, the further are we are pushing him and holding him back. Yeah. But there is a whole range of things that he cannot do. And so he has learned, well, our biggest thing has been use your words to ask. And yeah. so he, is, he now learns that he has learned the power of requesting even when he doesn't get what he wants. And it's good that he's learned the power of requesting, that he cannot control mom and dad or manipulate mom and dad, and it doesn't honor mom and dad, right? But it, the same goes for him too. Yeah. And so because of uh, the way we dignify him, one of the many ways we dignify him, is so we, we, t- we, we take his request very seriously because that is his main way of getting things, his will done in the world is by asking and seeking and knocking. And boy, does he knock. Wow. Nonstop knocking. (laughs) But my point in saying that is that the, the, the idea of standing with somebody in request, confident that even if they say no, I will still be okay in the ultimate sense. Yeah. Oof. That is totally liberating. Um, and, and as a parent, it solely liberated me from having to control my teenagers. You know? Yeah. So literally, we haven't... I, I, I mean, I think we dis, we've disciplined them maybe once or twice in their teen years. But everything is requesting. Hmm. You know? And it's got to go both ways. And it's... I, I, I'm ranting at this point, but I've learned so much about this. That it, and, and it's just revolutionized. Yeah. Well, you know? and like the way that you interact with your kids 
is going to be slightly different than the way that the person next door to you does, just based totally. on personalities, right? You know, so I think that's what's interesting is that Jesus is constantly like, this is not just a set of, this yes. is not a, a guidebook or like, you know, like just do this, this exact way and everything is going to be peachy. It's like, no, right. loving people is loving the individual. And that is complicated and messy, but <laughs> yes. awesome. Yes. And that's why biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, uh, growing kids God's way, all of that is false. <laughs> By definition, like without even getting into the details of it. Yeah. Right? Because there's no way those concepts could encapsul- encapsulate the breadth and variety of the kinds of people we are. Totally. So, suck it, Piper. Um Oof. <laughs> okay, I take it back. I judged him and I've I have contempt. So not about that, but I was just joking. Anyway, my friend, <laughs> it is time to go. Yeah. <sighs> we did have a request on Facebook for a uh, Seth Kazoo solo. Yeah, let me tell you that Kazoo is hidden away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I appreciate that um I I hit it so well I don't remember where it is exactly. The trash could be a place where it ended up. I'm not sure. Um, I I will neither confirm or nor deny. <laughs> but anyway, um, friends, thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for letting us be a part of your life. This is so fun to do this all together. Uh, if you find this stuff helpful, would you just help keep getting the word out? Uh, we don't, you know, we're not interested in being like huge platform builders, but we live in this weird tension of like, ah, but we think this is really good stuff. And we think Jesus, I don't know. We think there's something to it. And, um, and so the little bits that are super helpful, uh, obviously are like rating and reviewing and sharing. Those are, those are gifts to us in this endeavor. But, um, regardless we are thankful for you and thank you for, you know, engaging with us as we kind of all journey uh, uh, together to kind of figure out what, what Jesus following actually looks like these days. So till next time, friends. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast, on Instagram at Vox Podcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.